Welcome to the It's Going to Be Good podcast sponsored by Accrue. This is the place where Jill and I talk about how we are growing as individuals and how we are building a firm in a way that's healthy and sustainable. There's always more to learn and we want to share what we have learned and what we're still learning. And today we're going to talk about caring more about being trusted and respected than being liked, which is so hard to do. So So hard. Any initial thoughts on just that? Yeah, I think this is, it's such an easy idea to understand and to agree with, but it's one of the hardest things to actually do and to unlearn habits of people pleasing as as like kind of a sweeping way to state that. But like, it's very rewarding to act in a way that makes other people happy. And it's really hard to choose the right thing or the the wise thing or the authentic thing if it makes other people unhappy with you, knowing that it's still the right decision and that their unhappiness doesn't mean that that's the wrong decision. So like, it's going to be so easy to be like, yeah, I totally agree with this, but it's a lot harder said than done. It's a lot harder. It's a lot easier said than done. It's harder done than said. That one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The one you meant. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I think when you say something like people pleasing, I immediately think like women by and large. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the best examples of this is Michael Scott from The Office. So there is absolutely male versions of that kind of like, I will do whatever it takes to make people like me. But then there's no like North Star. There's Mm -hmm. no like principles on which to make decisions. And so people can't really count on you. I feel like that's what you see throughout the whole course of of him being on the show is he's a completely ineffective leader because he will sway one way or the other wherever the cool kids are pointing. That's Mm -hmm. where he's going to go. And obviously not every man is necessarily susceptible to like that version of, of people pleasing. But there's a lot of, you know, for women, it might be more like, I really want people to like me. And for men, it might be more like, I want people to think well of me, you know, or, or like whatever version of that, you know, kind of looks like for you. Like there's different flavors of this, uh, of this kind of people pleasing tendency of, I want people to think well of me. I want them to be happy with me. Like I want to like have a good reputation, but sometimes that means doing things that aren't what's best for you, that aren't what's best for your company or what's best for your team, or even sometimes what's best for your clients, just because you're focused on trying to make everybody happy rather than trying to do things well and effectively Mm -hmm. and like make good choices. So like, I'm wondering for you, is there anywhere that this has been a particular challenge? That's a good question. Cause I can think of a lot of areas. Yeah. Challenge for me. But your role is different. So my role is really different. Yeah. I think, I think it was particularly challenging at the beginning when, you know, I was learning how to step into a supportive role of the team while still holding them accountable and balancing that as the new person. And at the same time, you were kind of unlearning some of these like things that are, it's easy to say yes to the person in front of you in the moment to make them happy or to, you know, acquiesce to their request. But it's, in the long run, if it like means that you have two people going, wait a second, why didn't that 
why wasn't that applied to me? Or why didn't I get that treatment? Like it just, it causes so many future problems that you can't foresee. And so I think when I came in, I, you and I both knew what was needed, but we both had to grow in different areas. Cause my natural bend is like, all right, like, yeah, let's, let's do what the right thing to do is for, you know, the clients or let's do what the right, I, I tend to be like, there's a right answer here. Let's do that one. And I think I needed to learn how to do that in a way that felt supportive to the team. And so I, I think we err on different sides naturally. So coming to the center was probably one of the biggest challenges for me, but I, that all that to say, I am very susceptible to this. It is super hard for me to behave in a way that I know makes other people unhappy. And I was actually having a conversation recently with someone about this, about like, I can feel when I'm letting someone down. Like I can sense it super easily because I'm really attuned to like other people's disappointment, (laughs) Um, like really attuned to it. But I, so I have to fight internally a lot to make sure that I'm not giving into the, the real like, I don't know, like fantasy world or or like option to like do the thing that will actually make the person in front of me happy or the person, you know, the people or the team that I really love instead of going, wait a second, what's the best decision for everyone here? And so I, I can think that there's a right answer a lot of times, but also I can really struggle with the emotions of knowing that I've am letting someone down by responding this way. Like I will have to say no to things sometimes because that's the right decision, but doesn't mean that it's not real hard to do. (laughs) Real, real hard. Yes. Well, I think that is virtually impossible to do without something you care about more. And so this is why I think talking about it, even just in these terms of you need to care more about being trusted and respected than being liked. Because in that moment, it is so easy and natural to care about whether you're letting the person in front of you down. Because in general, most of us don't really want to be disappointing to the people Mm -hmm. that we have relationships with, you know, whether it's work or personal or, or whatever that is. So there has to be something that is more important than what's happening in that moment to give you the the fortitude to mm, be able to yes. make that right choice because it's the it is absolutely the easy choice to do the thing that's going to cause the immediate result of you're happy with me that this moment that would have been conflict is now you know good like and and it feels like the problem just goes away and it's like no you just made a bigger problem later for mm-hmm. you or potentially other people. Yeah. So totally. it's, but it, it's not that easy to see, especially when it's a habit. And I yes. think this one is a, is a such an easy habit to not even be aware of that the mm-hmm. way that you make decisions, is it actually aligned with some principle or is it just what will make the person in front of you happy. Yeah. And I did that. I I operated that way for sure in the, in the early days I wanted to grow. So I wanted to bring on clients. So I wanted those clients to like me and be happy with me. So I was really inclined to say yes to things. And a lot of them were things we shouldn't have said yes to. And Mm -hmm. a lot of them were things that only I could do. And so I'm saying yes, but it's really obligating future me to things that I would really want someone else to do to be able to grow and scale a firm. 
but I also want, you know, it to be like impressive that I could just handle that thing, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm going to make you happy that we could totally do that. Not even a problem. And it's like, but only I can do that. So it is a problem and mm -hmm. we have to stop doing it that way. But any, any other areas where this one stands out to you? I think particularly like as you're leading and guiding the team, are there places where you're seeing, where you're kind of giving this coaching that you've had to learn of, oh, this, this can't be how we're making these decisions? Yeah. I think a lot of times we've had team members who have felt like, I really want this problem to go away. Like this is adding friction to my life that's like really not like really not enjoyable and it's it's starting to wear on me. And all I can see is the problem at that point. And so I'm coming to you in hopes that you'll fix it for me. And so it's actually really challenging for me to pause and go, okay, but what's best for this person? Like what what could they gain from continuing to pursue excellence in this, continuing to work on this skill? Is there a benefit, like a greater benefit to to solving this problem for them? Most of the time, not. Like most of the time, me solving it doesn't equip them with any additional skills. It doesn't give them any additional insight into themselves or into the way that they tend to operate. It It usually is just like moving a problem to another person. And so, you know, in the last year in particular, I think we've had to have some conversations with with a few team members where we had to decide what is actually what's best for not just this client or not just this team, but this individual too. Is it best for us to solve it or is it actually best for us to go, okay, what's the opportunity here for you to learn, for you to grow, for you to develop a new skill set? And I, I think, you know, one, one example comes to mind of a client that was not as nice as maybe we prefer them to be in response to things. And I could see the why behind the request of being removed from that client. Like it totally made sense to me why this team member wanted to just stop working with this client. But it also would have just transferred that problem to another person. And that person would have had to to deal with that. And it wouldn't have really addressed the root issue that was happening, which is you're not actually being cool to our team and that's not going to fly here. And so when we discussed it and, and decided, we, we decided to kind of move forward in the direction of let's not make an instant decision. Let's actually see if you can develop a little bit of the skills of, you know, emotional boundaries around this and, and how you can bring this back to solution orientation, bring this back to, you know, here are the skills I would need to develop in order to be able to manage the, a client like this in the future, knowing that I won't have to work with this client forever. Like this is not a forever solution, but for now, I get to work on this skill and that's the benefit, even though it doesn't feel like it right now. And then the other side of that was we needed to be pretty direct with the client about what was and wasn't going to work with how they communicated with our team. And we saw a pretty clear shift in that client behavior. And I think that instant um, reinforcement of addressing the root problem as opposed to the you know, the symptom of the problem was such a good example of how much more effective it was than just fixing the instant thing right in front of us. And we've had to do that quite a few times with team members, but it takes that like stepping back and thinking critically about what does everyone actually need here? 
So we, we have a little bit of a debate about the golden rule versus the platinum rule. And the, the golden rule is treat others the way you would want to be treated, which I think is a great starting point for empathy and, and is very much the case when you know how you want to be treated and when that is a correct And when way that's to be a treated. good thing. Yeah. Not when like you want I to want be to treated be well. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or like you want to be treated in a way that's going to be good for you overall, not just feel good to you. But the platinum rule is treat others the way that they would want to be treated. And I think that there's like a middle ground and it feels a little patronizing because it, it, it presumes that I know better than the person what they need. But like treat others the way that they need to be treated or talk to others in the way that they need to hear things. I think that's a really good reframe for that because it is also how I would want to be treated, but it's also not just this is going to make you feel good. Like, it's not just about like, oh, this would make me feel good. So I'll just do this for you. Cause that's nice. That's not really kind. And so I think, you know, a lot of times we have to do things that are kind and don't feel nice. And that is hard to wrap your head around. And it's really hard to wrap your head around if you're the one that's getting the kind response, not the nice response. Cause nice feels a lot better a lot of the time instantly. Like it, it's got that instant gratification factor that is really hard to not feel like you missed out if you don't get it. So it was helpful that that client experience with that one team member had some instant gratification of him kind of switching tone and shifting the way that he was, you know, communicating with us and that she was able to be resilient. And I cannot tell you how many skills she gained from doing that in that way. Like it is remarkable to see that team member's growth path from sticking that out, from being resilient, from working on herself and what she could control, because I can't control that other person either. Like we could fire them, but I think that thinking a little bit outside the box of like win-lose and thinking, how can everyone grow from this? How can everyone be better? How can we have a better working relationship with this client overall be better? And that client has since transferred to another team member and it's nuanced. It's someone else's learning how to navigate it because it's not always perfect, but it is nothing like what it was at that point. And it builds that resilience in other people and gives everyone an opportunity to learn something that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to learn. Yeah, I think that's such a good point about that. It would have been so easy in that moment to just move that client or fire that client or, you know, make the immediate problem go away. But then we are robbing that person of the opportunity to learn and grow by persevering through something challenging. And I think that is so connected with this idea of being trusted and respected rather than liked. I'm sure she would yeah. have really liked it if we just made the problem go away. Totally. But because we said, this is important, this is a skill we think that you need to learn and you will be better for it. And she mm -hmm. trusted and respected us enough to be yes. willing to do that with us, knowing that we, we are in this with you. We will support you in this, but we're not going to remove this obstacle because we think there's something really important for you to learn. And that has been such, I, I've just seen her in particular, I mean, lots of team members, but like just grow so much since we stopped removing the obstacles and gave yes. her the opportunity 
to learn and grow through them. And then potentially mm -hmm. later, you know, we might move that and maybe that's someone else's, you know, client to learn on. But we don't want to value the short term gratification of someone's happy with me because I solved their immediate problem higher than that long term meaning and fulfillment of I trust you enough in this scenario to believe that you are being kind, that you're not just being mean and keeping me on this client, that you are actually being kind. This is this is meant for my good. And then seeing that play out and demonstrated over and over is what builds that trust that then next time when it's a harder thing that we're asking, you've mm -hmm. are, we've got that relationship built where you do trust us. And so you're willing to engage in even harder things because we were with you in the less hard, but, you know, hard at that time kind of really thing. hard. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I, I also think that there's there's a lot to be said about the care that goes into being in it with them. Because if if it was like, no, you just have to learn this skill and figure it out, that would not have been kind at all. And so even the support that we were able to offer in this particular instance around like helping her draft emails that sounded kind and respectful, but also had really clear boundaries and, and allowed for clarity with that client, like that was also what's needed. So it's not just like, oh, we did this magnanimous thing where we were like, yeah, you can be better from this growth opportunity. Now go grow. It's like, we're going to help you and trudge along with you in it so that that growth, you're not alone in that growth. And we're going to help you and engage with you in supporting this client, but also in learning this skill for yourself because it is inherently good. Um, and being able to see beyond the immediate effect that people have on you to, okay, how can I show up as the person I want to be, whether or not the other person is? And that's really hard. That's a really hard yes. skill. I'm still working on that one. <laughs> Same. That one is definitely, and, and I think that that connects with this idea too. Like that is definitely, how do you show up in a way that is kind when that's not, when you're not being met with that on the other side, you know, mm. and obviously you want to have some discernment about that, that you don't want to, you know, inadvertently just be accepting really yeah. negative relationships like yeah, ongoing. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't want to be doing that. But also there are a lot of times where responding with kindness just immediately shuts down the frustration because mm -hmm. they thought that we were going to be like combative in response and we just show up with kindness and they're like, oh yeah, okay, cool, my bad. And then mm -hmm. it just, it it immediately diffuses, you know, mm -hmm. not always, but there's another example I was thinking of recently of a team member who like, I think out of scope requests are a really good example of this. I'm going to care more about being trusted and respected than liked because clients really like it when you say yes to their out of scope requests. Of course they do. Because you're, you're doing needs. more <laughs> for the same amount of money usually. But mm -hmm. but that's they're not really thinking about it in that that no. kind of calculus. You're solving my problem and I don't have to worry about it. It's usually something much more like you're solving my problem without me even having to think about it. But the problem with that is that that becomes a pattern of behavior that we have reinforced by saying yes to it. And then it's much harder later to say no because you've built a habit of saying yes because that was totally. easy. And so we had a team member with a, a client who asked her to do something that really wasn't quite a reasonable request. It wasn't like 
crazy. It was just like, Hey, you know, we're asking you for something. And it's like, well, can't you, can't you just figure something out? And it's like, well, like we could, but should we, and what mm -hmm. kind of expectation is that creating? And for that team member, we, we happened to be meeting about it recently. Well, not meeting about that, but just meeting. And she had mentioned that she was kind of feeling it in that moment when, when the request came in that like, maybe this doesn't like feel right. You know, maybe this isn't. And, and I just told her, pay attention to that. Yes. That it's not always right. Maybe no, we flawless. will do that thing. You know, may maybe there's context you don't have. And we actually would do this thing, but pay attention to it because it is probably trying to tell you something mm -hmm. that may, that ought we to do this. So I think really paying attention to, to that feeling, because usually that means we're agreeing to something to be liked rather than setting a boundary that is appropriate. Mm -hmm. When you kind of feel that little twinge of like, yeah, that seems like I'm, uh, I'm doing more than I'm going to feel good about. And, and actually that's something I was, I was chatting with. Uh, a friend of ours about that just is in this season of life and the season of, of work where almost feeling like you can't say no. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, even just saying the words, like there's always a choice, mm -hmm. like this is the choice that, that you're making. And, you know, something we talk about a lot is, you know, if, if you're going to say yes to something like that is, that should be something you're really saying yes to. And mm -hmm. if you can only say yes to that at the expense of other things, you should be clear about that. Hey, I can do that, but that would mean something else needs to fall. So mm -hmm. is this the priority above the other things that are already on my plate? I love when people do that. It makes me trust them so much because I know they're not going to say yes to my face and then not do it. And then we're going to have some conflict later about how, well, they said yes, because they wanted me to like them and that they're the kind of person that says yes to me but then they don't do it because they didn't actually have space. And it's like, that doesn't make me like you. If I don't yeah. trust and respect you, I actually probably won't like you. So it's just getting the order of operations wrong. If you focus on being liked, you won't be trusted and respected. And then you ultimately won't be liked. Mm -hmm. But if you focus on being trusted and respected, you may just also get to be liked. And that, mm -hmm. that would be delightful. That is my preference. Yeah. I would really like for people to like me. I'm not, I'm not looking to be off-putting. Same. Yeah. I, I think I am coming to terms with the fact that I am not everyone's cup of tea and that is okay. But also I hope that even if I'm not people's cup of tea, they know that what I say is what I mean, that what I say I'm going to do is what I will actually do. And that if I don't, I'm going to own that too. And that I think like my word being real and, and authentic and me meaning things is such an important part of building trust with people. Like I will do what I say or I will own that I didn't. And that is increasingly rare, I think, in our society. And it's easy to get away with just not doing it and hoping no one notices or, you know, whatever. Like it's it's easy to just kind of skirt things. But I will 
always prefer to work with someone who just tells me, hey, I didn't do this. I, I have a great example last night. I was supposed to call one of my good friends. We had, you know, arranged to to call last night and, and catch up. And I completely spaced and didn't even think of it and didn't see her text until later. And I just told her that. Like I totally forgot. I didn't add it into my calendar. Let's do tomorrow. If that works for you, cool, great. Let's do that. And and it doesn't also have to be a big deal if I'm able to do that in genuine honesty and a, and a desire to meet that person in relationship, in like authentic relationship. It doesn't have to be a big deal because she trusts that if I didn't show up, there's a good reason. Or, you know, if I didn't say something, there isn't a good reason, but I will still own that, you know, to her face. Yeah. Well, or you're not going to gaslight her like, oh no, we weren't (laughs) supposed to talk. Like, yeah. oh, that was well, another night. Isn't text? You know? She got receipts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's I. Yeah, I have seen people try to like skirt things that I'm like, we agreed to this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like you're making me feel like maybe the light isn't flickering, and that is too discomforting for me to trust you. And so now yeah. I'm gonna just keep you a little more arm's length. But but yeah. I I think there is. There's something about this aim that also it requires authenticity. You mm. cannot be trusted and respected if you are not willing to be authentic. People mm-hmm. won't trust you. Like if you're not willing to own mistakes, if you're not willing to apologize when you're wrong, if you're not willing to make a different decision when the decision you originally made was not the best, if you're not willing to just show up as the the person that you actually are not some like best case scenario image that you'd like to project people won't trust you you that's mm-hmm. not a game you can keep playing across time and that is what trust is built on it's that you continue to show up in this way across a long period of time yeah. and that trust then builds if you if you do that i will trust you if you're willing to make the hard decisions that aren't always what's best for you, but they are what's best, then I will respect you. And then if we're at both of those points, I'll probably like you. Yeah, totally. And I I would, I will also add, I don't know that everyone always sees this. Like it's not always immediately obvious when someone operates in this, you know, Michael Scott kind of way. Like it's easy to feel, especially if you're on the receiving end of the positive effect of it, it's really easy to ignore what's happening or to just not see it because not everyone is as, you know, attuned to authenticity as others, like there's a spectrum of, of that awareness. And so like it can become clear after a long time sometimes, you know, and, and I think like being able to cue into the way that you're feeling the way that your gut is responding to something, like you said earlier with that client, like I felt this in, you know, internally and I didn't know what to do with it. So I just shoved it aside. That's all of us at different points. Like I often shove feelings aside and I've really had to work on being more attuned to them and and giving them the time of day, even if they're not, I mean, it's not necessarily what I'm going to act on, but it's still a really good dashboard light for me so that I can figure out like what is behind the way that the, this is making me feel. Is this a me problem? Is this something that I need to pay attention to because this is the wrong dynamic here? Like what's going on that's making me feel this way? And 
you know, I've made so many mistakes because I've ignored those dashboard lights, because I've ignored the way that something makes me feel. And I've yes. thought, you know, let me give the benefit of the doubt. And the benefit of the doubt is really nice and it's often really helpful. I would actually, I mean, we, I think we reframe this as assuming the best. I'm not going to give the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to assume the best and I'm going to give the feedback. I'm going to give the benefit of the feedback, but not everyone does that. And so, you know, I am often in the dark about how other people are thinking and feeling, and I can't just like reach into their heads as much as I want and try to do that. Like I can't reach into their heads. So I've had to step back and go, okay, I know what I'm thinking and feeling. I know what decisions I want to make. I've got my North star. I've got my hierarchy of decision-making. I know that I'm prioritizing the company of, and then the clients and then the team and then the individuals. And I'm last on that list but I'm not nothing on that list. Like I'm not a doormat. Like I'm still a consideration, but I will put myself last on the consideration list in priority order. I don't know what they're thinking and feeling. I don't know what they're going to do. I do know what they say and I do know what they do. And if those data points aren't aligning, something's off. And then we need to have a different conversation. Yeah. Well, and I think that's such a good that that's so connected with this as well, that when what you're saying and what you're doing aren't aligning, there's probably a leaning towards, I want to say what, what you'll like, I'm going to do what I was going to do anyway. And then now yeah, we're totally. in this weird point of like, hey, but those aren't the same. So what's up? And that's a much more mm -hmm. awkward conversation, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I feel like this, even in, in very small things, like an expectation that I chose to create that wasn't reasonable. And now I can't meet, Oh, yes. I'm going to look at this today. That wasn't a reasonable thing. I chose to say today, no one made me, you know, and then I didn't look at it today. And now I have to go back and be like, JK, today meant tomorrow. And then I feel like garbage. And it was like, I could have just said, I will look at this this week. And yeah. And then I could have actually met that expectation and my behavior and my words, rather than being focused on, you'll like it better if I say today, even though it's totally not reasonable for me to look at this today. I think you'll like me better if you feel like I'm going to solve this more immediately. But that's I not a I'm good superhuman. enough reason. <laughs> yes. And I, I think, I think there's another, And I could do yeah, it today. I can do all the things all the time. Like I have infinite hours and that's not a reality either. You know, like yes. I think there's both sides of that. It's also wanting to meet my own expectations of myself because I think I could do this and I could, except I'm not factoring in things I can't foresee. I'm not factoring in how long it'll take me to do X, Y, and Z. I'm not factoring what I, what I could not have planned for. And that means that I can't do it today. <laughs> like, yes. And so I, I love the idea and I love encouraging newer team members to under promise and over deliver because I think that is such a helpful way to start in a, in an organization. If you can give yourself the flexibility to say, I can get to this this week, that's great. And if you get to it today, even better, like, right. Cool. Sounds great. Everyone's happier, but you didn't promise that and let anyone down if that wasn't possible. And so it's kind of even reframing your expectations of yourself. It's not just about making other people happy. This is also for 
for us too. Sometimes selfishly, I want to meet everyone's needs all the time, but when I don't, it feels worse for me and it definitely feels worse for them. Well, and am I setting this expectation because this, that's the appropriate priority that this particular request should take? Or am I setting it because setting that timeline will make you happier with me or will make you like me? Like sometimes people ask me to look at stuff that just isn't that important for me to look at right now. Not yeah. that it's not important for them. It absolutely is. It's something maybe they're assigned to work on. And, and so it is not that the thing is not important. It is that in the priority order of things that I'm responsible for, it may not. And so if I am saying yes and knocking something else off the list that is a higher priority, I am moving into this territory of caring more that that person likes me because I'll look at their thing more than everyone trusts and respects me because I have the right priority order of what I'm responsible for. And so I'm not going to let more important responsibilities drop to change my priorities around based on what someone asks of as much as I might like them and want to look yeah. at their stuff when they send it. Yeah. I'm sure it's great, you know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's not always what, what should take precedence right now. I think that that's the same for things like, you know, how people check messages, how people mm -hmm. take phone calls or plan meetings. It's like when you organize your day based on other people's expectations of you. You know, you're going to respond to every message that pops up. You're going to take a meeting because someone asked for it. You know, you're going to do the, that is all in this people pleasing mentality of, I want everyone to feel like I respond promptly, that I meet their needs, that I do this stuff, but then there's no priority for you. There's mm -hmm. no, and, and usually that's where you start working nights and weekends and, and your work bleeds all over the place because you've let other people's urgencies become your priorities. And then there is no guiding principle for you in how you make decisions and how you, you know, organize your day. You won't make any progress in your business that way. I know that one for sure, because we did not make a lot of progress when I operated that way. And, but changing those habits, changing those behaviors, you have to care about something more than it will make everyone happy if I'm super responsive and I'm available whenever mm -hmm. they want and I can do their, yeah. and I can look at their thing today. Like it has to be more important that you trust and respect that I'm going to organize my responsibilities based on what's best for the company, what's best for our clients, what's best for the team, and then what's best for me. Mm -hmm. And I, I would also add to that, like, I think that's a skill everyone at every level needs to learn, but it is particularly important and particularly difficult in leadership. I am still wrestling with the things that are on my plate that are big picture stuff that don't feel effective to anyone else but me. They're my objectives. They're the things I need to be working on, but there's no immediate gratification for them being done because they won't affect something today. They'll affect stuff six months from now. Right. And so it is hard to prioritize that stuff when I could easily respond to messages and make someone else's life easier. I can easily do something that gives that instant gratification to them and me. And instead I need to put things in right order. And the right order is, you know, it, there's also the element of the personal life, you know, like there are things in my personal life that are not a higher priority than work. 
but not all of them. There are a yeah. few things that are way more important. Like I think, you know, when you've got a family, when you, you know, when you have a sick kid at home or something, like I think that's an easy thing to say, this is more important than work. Like, of course my kid is more important than my work. It's hard to do. <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to not feel like you're letting a whole group of people down. But I also think, you know, putting things in right order and having that priority order that includes things outside of work when those things really are more urgent and important is really helpful for just being able to say no when it's really a no or to say yes if. Yes if these other things can move down the priority list or yes when I'm done with this or you know whatever it is I think there's there are ways to say no that don't feel so um, much like conflict or so much like a no I won't do that doesn't I, I hear this a lot no is a complete sentence and it's like yeah but I want people to be for me too like I would really like for my no to not feel combative I want yeah. it to feel collaborative mm -hmm. I want it to feel like we're working together toward a yes that's reasonable and sometimes that's a not me it's someone else and sometimes it's a me later and sometimes it's a me now but these are the effects of if I say yes to this like there's but you have to be able to kind of problem solve in a very different way, particularly in leadership, when you're confronted with the immediacy of needs that are urgent, but not as important as these sweeping long-term projects that will get us to where we want to go, but do not have almost any immediate impact on our team, but are more important. And that is so hard for me to wrestle with. And I do it every day. It's real hard. Yes. Well, I think the idea of no being a complete sentence, we're saying you should care more about being trusted and respected than being like, <laughs> we're not saying you should care none. That seems <laughs> like you want to be disliked. Like, yeah, I, I'm not aiming at that. This is just the, the priority order in which these things ought to go. I'm not trying to be off-putting to other people but like a, a really uh, it's almost a silly example of this recently was I, I am the treasurer for lacrosse boosters not shocking of course you are <laughs> <laughs> and they were trying to schedule you know a board meeting so that they, I don't know to have a board meeting to do some stuff and they, I, I told them the dates I was available. They picked one that I didn't pick, that, that I didn't say that I was available. And they, it works for everybody else. And I was like, I won't be there. I don't need to tell them because it's date night. And that is our weekly date night. And that my relationship with my husband is more important than being the lacrosse boosters treasurer for the next six months. Like I just... Uh, so I said, hey, I can't make it, but I'll make sure all of my stuff is updated so you'll have anything. Like, I don't need to do anything at this meeting. Like, it's just going to Starbucks so that you were there. Like, <laughs> this is not this is not more important. And also, I don't need to go into all of that. They don't need my whole life story of why no. that that is actually like fairly off-putting when someone says no, but then they tell you their life story of why it's a no. So I think there's also something in this too, like being trusted and respected means that you can say no effectively without being off-putting uh, other than someone would prefer you'd say yes. 
you know, there are ways to do that. One that I've workshopped with some of my mom friends is that doesn't work for my schedule. Like, oh, that sounds so fun, but that doesn't work for my schedule. Like it Mm -hmm. doesn't have to feel like conflict to say no, but also no one wants your whole life. Well, I can't do it. And here's why I've got to do this and I've got that and I've got to do that. It's like, at that point, I'm sorry I asked. And maybe that's the goal. Maybe that's the unintended <laughs> goal there is like to make them sorry they asked and hopefully that they won't ask again. And if so, kudos to you because it worked. It. <laughs> yeah. That's not my vibe. I, I can't do it. Uh, I would die inside. That would not feel authentic to me. But But it's something we coach our team on as well. Like, hey, focus on what you can do. That is also something that helps people trust and respect you. It's your like, yes, if I can do this, if, or like, no, I can't do that, but I can do this. You know, when Mm -hmm. you are able to do that kind of redirecting to, you want help from me, here's how I can help. You know, for some potential clients, it's like, I can give you a referral to someone that you would be a great fit client for. They would understand your business and you're going to be super happy with them. I could try to make it work here and do some subpar job just so that you like that I said yes to you. But like, that's not really, no one's going to end happy in that. So like- No, who wins? Yeah. I mean, the client likely won't because we're not experts in that area. The team definitely won't because they'll have to figure out how to invent a new wheel. Like it's just, it's so lose-lose, but that instant gratification is so appealing. It's hard to see beyond it unless you're thinking about things from a more global perspective. And then unless you have that value alignment that you've clarified exactly. I mean, this is, this is one of the best reasons to create behavior-based values in your company. I know it's easy to say like, do this thing. And you're like, okay, I know you're supposed to have a mission, vision, and values, but like, why this? So you can make the right decision as often as possible, knowing what your company cares about, what is the most important priority. And for some companies, the most important priority is bringing in as many clients as humanly possible. And we will figure it out. That's how they operate. And that's great. There are trade-offs to that, but that's great. There are also trade-offs to the way we do it. We are intentionally picking clients that we know we can serve well, that we know are going to be great to work with, that we know our team is not going to want to fire three months in, you know, or like be begging us to transfer to another team member. We've been intentional about what that looks like because our primary objective for the sales process is sustainability. It's not Mm -hmm. just growth alone. We do want to grow, but we want that to be a sustainable pace of growth so that our team can balance work and life and so that our clients can be well served and so that our company can grow in a way that is also functional for people at the top like us. Because if, if we're scrambling to make it work, that doesn't really fit what's most important for you and I. And, and I think that is you know, again, this is not what every company should do, or this is not the like gold star, but it is how we've chosen to do things. And I think having your values really clarified is a great way to get to the point where you know when it's a yes and when it's a no. To to clients, to other peers in in the industry to vendors to you know team members i think it's it's really easy to see once you've clarified what is most important to you and in what order yes but when you have clarified what is most important to you and then you don't behave in alignment with that 
that erodes trust and respect so quickly. There is nothing that will erode that trust built faster than actually clarifying this is what a good fit client looks like and then bringing on bad fit clients intentionally. (laughs) Totally. And having the team go, so that was nothing. Yes. So, so what you say is not what you mean. Got it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and actually that's probably even the best, like whether it's bringing on clients, whether it's bringing on team members, whether it's, you know, making policies, like whatever the decision is, if what you're saying you value and care about, and then how you actually behave, do not align, you will erode trust. Like you, even if it is best intention, you want to make everybody happy, you will erode that trust and respect, and then you will just make them unhappy anyway. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not a good strategy, but it is the kind of stuff that takes a lot of work and intention and the humility to be willing to admit when you're wrong, the humility to be willing to admit when you like need to make a different call when, Mm. when it's what the humility to go, you know what, I think it's time to call it. And this is going to be a tough conversation, but, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it anyway, because I know it's what's best, even though it's not going to feel good right now. I can't Mm -hmm. tell you how many of those we've had, but I feel like because we've been willing to do that and then we've been willing to go, okay, what do we learn from this? How can mm. we do this better next time? We have less of those. Yes. Like, Over time, we have decreased the number of incidents that we've had to, or, or circumstances where we've had to do that. And we know better now. I had a conversation with a vendor this last week that we're, we're going to get a proposal from. And I was able to articulate what we needed in such a better way because we had bad experiences before. And I know exactly what I don't want. I don't always know exactly what I do. And, but like part of what we talked about was it being flexible, like as we're figuring this out, as we're building this plane in the air, as we fly it, like how can we make this functional on both sides so that you're getting what you need as a vendor, but also I'm getting what we need as the, as the customer, because we don't know, but we know it's flexible and we know we don't want this, this, and this. We know that we want you to drive things forward. We know that we want you to be the guide in this scenario and, and to give us the input, but we also want to make the final call. Like that that kind of distribution of responsibility in it is so much easier because we've taken time to reflect on the things that we're like, ah, that went terribly. Let's never do that again. How? <laughs> Yes. Well, that that is expensive in time and effort and energy. To, I mean, we I, I was talking to some other firm owners this morning about like every client we bring on after we're done onboarding, we have an after action review with everyone who worked on that client and go, OK, how did it go? What what have we learned? Is this a good fit client? Like, do, do, you know, do we need to make different filtering decisions at the door? Do we need to think about how we set a process? Did this go well? And this is great. And we want 10 more of these clients. Like that is an expensive meeting. Just like, just literally calculate the number of people in that meeting and, you know, and how long it takes or whatever. Like this is not free, you know, Mm -mm. but how much does it save us because we have learned 
oh, if we bring on a client and we see these kinds of flags, this is what it's going to look like, you know, three months down the line. Mm -hmm. And so we need to probably say no, if we're seeing these kinds of things, because otherwise we're going to be starting a relationship. We don't really want to continue It's way easier to never start it than it is to start and then have to fire. Yes. You know, and same for team members. We have an after action review after every team member that we onboard, whether or not they make it past their onboarding period, our, our hiring team, you know, is going to meet and we're going to talk about how did that go? What do we learn? How can we do this better next time? What do we do that was great? You know, what is this team member like? How are they integrating into the rest of the team? Like, do we want 10 more team members that are like this? Or or did we learn some things? There are some flags that we should have seen, like they didn't have realistic expectations expectations of what it was going to look like. And then the reality of it and what they were expecting of it really weren't aligned. And then they bounced, you know, and then what can we do? Yeah. Yeah. The response is not like, okay, that person sucks. No, no. It was like, how can we watch for that? Like what, what, what should we be paying better attention to? Or letting ourselves attend to what we're already seeing. Because a lot of times it's like, not that, we need to hire. It's No, no, pay attention to those feelings. They matter. Yes. I can't tell you how many times we've been like, oh, we we acknowledged the flag and we moved forward anyway. And the flag was correct. Yes. And we need to trust that gut. It's really forced me to think critically about why I doubt my gut. And it's it's made me trust it a lot more because I look at the history of those data points and the confirmation of those data points and just think, I can't do that for the good of the company, for the good of our clients, for the good of the team, and for the good of me, my yes. mental health, <laughs> my emotional health. Like it is not in, and for that person, especially if yes. you get hired here and we didn't set clear expectations and you failed because of something we could have done better or we could have seen and fixed or we could have seen and said, let's call it here. I feel the worst for that person. And it doesn't mean it was the wrong call, but it does mean that we need to do something differently next time so that we don't continue making that same mistake. It's really hard to do, but looking at what we can control and working on what we can control is just essential in making sure that you don't make the same mistakes in the same way multiple times. I will make the same mistake more than once. I, I don't think that's a reasonable expectation that you will only ever make it once. But I want to make it as few times as possible. And I want to take the steps that I know will get us to a better conclusion. And a lot of times it's just reflecting and reflecting and figuring out like, is this something we could have done anything differently and and had a different result? And I think those are great questions. Those are the kinds of things like slowing down to go fast. That kind of behavior makes me trust people so much more. People who will look back and go, is there something in this I could have done differently? Is there something in this that I can own? Is there something in this that I can learn, whether it's good or bad? That's the kind of person I want to give more responsibility to, because that is the proper assumption of responsibility. If I'm going to do something that is worth doing, I want to do it better every time. And whether it went poorly or went well, there is always something to learn from it. And maybe it's do it like that. <laughs> yeah. Do it. Do yeah. it exactly like that every time. And yeah. maybe it's 
not that again, never that one. Mm -hmm. And maybe, and most of the time, it's some combination of those, like maybe a little more of this, maybe a little less of that, maybe pay attention when you feel this thing, it's indicating this other thing and, and watching those kind of patterns. I think so much of what we've learned is not just because we reflected on one thing, it's because we have a pattern of reflecting that then we start to notice patterns. Oh, hey, when we reflected on this other thing, it was this, and now we're reflecting, and it seems like it's this again. And maybe this is actually even more important than we realized the first time we reflected on it. This is actually something we really need to pay attention to. Like, this is a deal breaker. You know, this is not just a speed bump. Like, this is a roadblock. Do not go past this point. You know, but it takes that kind of I think I, it does just keep coming back to humility and authenticity, like mm -hmm. the willingness to, to honestly look at how you're showing up and be willing to say, maybe I could have done it better. Maybe I could have, you know, maybe there was something I should have known, you know, or should have paid attention to. And I didn't. And then you don't just keep beating yourself up over it forever. You take what is helpful in that and then you move forward and, and try to do it better next time. And, and those, those are the people I just, I so gravitate towards working with. I get really concerned when someone comes in, whether it's, you know, a client, whether it's a team member, usually a team member is where I notice this more because we just have more frequent interactions. And it just feels like they're too thirsty for my approval. That is mm. such a flag to me. That is this. That is that like, oh, you really want me to be happy with you, which is concerning to me about whether or not I can trust you to do a good job. Because you, me being happy with you is not the right aim. Yes. And I'll say the other side of that coin is, are you going to sacrifice yourself in order for that aim as well? So it's, it's sometimes you know, are you so thirsty that you just want me to be happy that you're going to let me down? And sometimes it's, are you going to meet this expectation every time, but at the expense of yourself, because that's not sustainable and you will eventually end up resenting the company or me. If that's the way that you operate as a habit, like you might think that that's what you want, but in the long run, you will end up feeling resentment or feeling like you don't, you know, you don't get the right due at work or something. And the reality is those are choices. And so it's thirsty for, for that, you know, happiness that someone else has, or like being pleased with them or their work, but it's not always that they'll let us down. It's sometimes that they won't let us down. And I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned yes. they won't know their limits. I'm concerned that they won't be able to tell me no. Like I really respect people who will do both of those things, who will meet the expectation when they say they can, and who will say no when they can't, because it's the combination of those true, those two things that really builds trust with me. And I will always take a no above a yes that you don't mean, but I will also take a no for you to take care of something in your life, like your mental health or your family or, or yourself or whatever. If you've put a limit on your time, don't say yes to things that take you above it because that will inevitably end up in you feeling resentful or burning out or whatever. And that's not the goal for any of us. Yes. That, that paying attention to, um, to what 
causes you to feel resentment is maybe one of the best ways to build the fortitude to become the kind of person people can trust or respect that that paying attention to i me agreeing to these things behaving in this way doing this thing is going to make me feel like i'm being taken advantage of mm-hmm. and then i will either do it with some malicious compliance mm-hmm. like my heart won't be in it and I will probably have negative feelings towards you that depending on how I respond to it, you might not even be aware of that I feel these like negative things towards you. But because I care more about you liking me, I'll do it. But I actually don't like you and you don't even know that's mm-hmm. not somebody I'm going to trust. That's mm-hmm. not somebody that should trust me. Like we don't have a relationship that's built Trust requires honesty. Honesty requires being willing to say no because it should be no. Or saying yes and realizing, oh, shoot, that should not have been a yes. I want to come back and, and work something else out. Like, But I think there's there's something to – I trust and respect people who want to think win-win. There's going to be scenarios in which it is kind of a uh, – It is kind of a win-lose, yeah. you know, but I really trust people who their first aim is win-win. What I think this being liked instead of being, you know, trusted and respected, I think it's actually prioritizing lose-win at your own expense. And that Mm. is what builds the resentment that you will let someone else win knowing that it's the choice that makes you lose so that they like you. But you can't just lose all the time that's and have martyrdom. that be a good relationship. Yeah, that's a that's a martyrdom that no one asked for. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't take us to where we want to go together, for sure. I think the the primary thing here is that when push comes to shove, the people around us should know that we will be fair, that we will be kind, that we will be thoughtful in making decisions, that we will be reasonable, and that we will make the best decision for as many people in the right order and with our North Star of our behavioral values as possible. And it is so much more important and valuable to be trusted and respected than it is to be liked. Breach. Thanks for joining us. We hope you'll keep tuning in as we share how we are building a firm worth building. It's going to be good. 